Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. I don't know if you felt that too, but boy, um, the pre- his presence is very thick in this place. Um, so I know... Peyton kind of introduced me a little bit. Um, my name's Christy Cohen. My husband, uh, Andrew, and I have been attending this church since the beginning, um, which is incredible. Um, I have the honor and privilege of being the kids director of this church. Um, it's coming up on two years, almost two years. So um, it has been my greatest joy, and it I have grown so much from being in the presence of children um, than I have from being in here. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, the our, children are just such a gift from God. They have no filter. They have, they're just, they're they're so fresh and fragile. They haven't been changed by the world. They don't have their walls up. Um, they just have this vulnerability that's so necessary for the presence to enter in. And um, it's just such a beautiful thing to watch the Lord minister to them. And I've grown so much from it. So, um. Thank you for letting me be the kids pastor of this church. <laughs> um, well, it's an honor and a privilege um, to be up here today um, bringing you the word of God um, as we wrap up the study of Revelation. Um, today, we are doing Revelation 21, and um, it's an honor and a privilege because I know that today, this time has been appointed and anointed by the Lord, and I don't say that... Um, in a prideful way, so to, t- to say that my words um, mean something because I'm up on this platform, but from a humble place of, of letting you know that um, I know who's brought me here and why, and um, it's actually a journey that's been going on for almost three years. Um, and so part of, part of today, the Lord has given me over the last three years to be able to give you um, the revelation of Jesus that he's given me. And so um, I just kind of want to share this story with you a little bit because it's such a powerful testimony of why we're here um, and why this day is um, appointed and anointed. Um, you see, about three years ago, my husband and I, we, uh, we were actually, we lived here. Uh, we were in East Peoria and COVID came and uh, we had, we owned a cheer gym at the time, and we decided um, that it was time to give that cheer gym over to somebody else, and uh, praise the Lord, it was just a couple of days before the country shut down for COVID. We had no idea, but that was a huge praise the Lord, um, because we didn't have to walk through owning a business during COVID, but what that looked like for our family is that the Lord was going to take us away from here and put us in Texas, and so we left, um, and um, we were, we were sad, but we were eager and happy to see what the Lord had next for us. And it was during that three years that we were there that the Lord did some incredible things. Um, he shook us to our core. He actually set me free from a 20-year addiction to alcoholism. Um, he healed our marriage. He restored our family. There was an, an incredible amount of things that he did in that time. Um, we're so grateful for that. Um, but it was also during that time that we went there, we were attending a church that, like this church, during that time was in um, six months of Revelation. 
I know, that's not a coincidence. Um, And it was during that time that uh, the Lord started to reveal things to us and that we were able to experience our freedom. During that time, we also... um, we were in a new church. It was, it was different than this church, and we were experiencing, th- experiencing some things that um, I know this church was praying for. And so one of the things Andrew and I felt called to do was pray for this church. And so we, we were spending a lot of time praying that not just that the presence of Jesus would fill this church, because we knew that that was already happening, and we knew the leadership team was um, hosting the Spirit well, but we were praying for a response from the church. Because the presence of Jesus can fall. But if there isn't a response from the people, not a whole lot is going to change. We have to be in a place of surrendering our life and being able to step away from ourselves and say, move. Come, Holy Spirit, come and do your, have your way with me. And so we were praying that over this church. <clears throat> and so during that time, the Lord gave me a couple of um, very significant dreams. One of those dreams um, I got to call and share with the Taves, um, and it was a, a pretty prophetic dream. Um, real quick, I'll just kind of tell you what it was. I, I had a dream of Chris. He was on his knees and he was before Jesus on the throne. There was a staircase and he was, he he was on his knees and Jesus was standing on the throne and the, it was the leadership team that was surrounding him. Maybe a couple of other people, I'm not sure. Uh, but the significant thing was, is that Jesus was standing up and he was calling for Chris to come up here. Okay, he was saying, come up here. If you've been in this study of Revelation with us, you'll remember in Revelation 4 that the Spirit told John to come up here. And so Jesus in that moment was calling Chris to come up into the heavenlies. Okay, he's the leader. Chris and Heather are the leaders of our church. And he was calling him up to the heavenlies so that he could lead us as a church into that place. That was very significant. The second dream that I had was of myself. I was um, on stage. It was kind of a vision of me from the back. I saw my head, and I saw you. And I was preaching a message to this church. Now, remember, I was in Texas at the time. So when I woke up from that dream, I, I remembered it and was kind of talking through it with the Lord and was like, in my mind, just thinking, you know, we're here now. We had no vision of us coming back to Illinois. Um, it wasn't even on the radar. And so I was like, you know, where, where is this dream coming from? Um, I seriously doubt they're going to call me and say, hey, when you're visiting, do you want to, do you want to preach? Um, so I let it just kind of pass, pass, pass away into the distance, and I um, didn't recall it much um, until recently. And um, so that brings us to about six months ago when the Lord called our church to study the book of Revelation. And like our church there, we did six months of Revelation, and the Lord mapped out exactly six months of Revelation for us. And during that time, I strongly felt the Lord say, Christy, you are supposed to preach in Revelation. And I knew why. I knew what he had brought me through while we were studying Revelation there and the freedom that our family had experienced. And I knew that he had something for you in it that he wanted to use my voice for. And so I said that I was going to preach. And unfortunately, I went on sabbatical. And an email went out during sabbatical to confirm the dates for Revelation, and I, I missed that email because I was doing what I was told, and I was resting. And uh, I, was, I, was up, I was upset, not because I was upset at anybody when I did not get to preach in this series. I was upset because I was sure that the Lord had called me to preach in this series. 
And it wasn't, but about a month ago, I was driving in my car and I was communing with the Lord. I do this often throughout my day. We have just conversations about everything. And um, just in a normal conversation with the Lord, out of nowhere, he says, hey, Christy, I'm ready for you to preach in Maine again. And in, in my head, I'm like, okay, Lord, like you have my yes. You've had my yes. You know the current situation. But at the next teaching team meeting, I promise you, I will say yes. You lead me. You guide me. You give me the date. I'm yours. And so I kind of just moved on. Well, lo and behold, I get a text message the very next morning from Heather, and it says, hey, we had a date that opened up in Revelation, and the Lord put you on my heart, and he confirmed it several times. (laughs) That was like the quickest yes I've ever text messaged anybody before. There was no doubt in my mind. Yes, but how crazy is that, that not just 24 hours prior to that, the Lord had said, I'm ready for you to preach in Maine. So when I say the Lord has anointed and appointed this time right here, I'm not kidding. This is the Lord's time, and he is here. And so in that, um, I just want to take a moment to honor the Lord. I want to take a moment to honor his faithfulness and his um, willingness to see things through. His promises are always yes and amen. And so... um, I just want to take a moment to honor him. Would you guys stand to your feet with me? Psalm 138.1. I give thanks, O Lord, with all of my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For your promises are backed by all your honor, by all the honor of your name. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. Every king in all the earth will thank you, Lord. For all of them will hear your words. Yes, they will sing about the Lord's ways. For the glory of the Lord is very great. Father, we thank you for this, for this time in this place, Lord, that you have ordained yourself. Your presence is tangible right now. We could never thank you enough for all that you've done for us and that you are here with us now. Lord, I pray that you would just speak through me. Lord, everything that comes out of my mouth, Lord, would your name be honored and glorified in heaven. Lord, would you rest on us and come down so that we could experience you in a profound way today. We love you so much. And I just pray for the tenderness of hearts as we turn to look at your face. It's in your mighty name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, guys. So today, we're going to be walking through Revelation 21. Uh, I'm not going to read out of the scripture. Uh, Peyton just read uh, the entirety of it. But what I'm going to do is kind of explain to you a little bit about what's going on here and about um, the glimpse that, uh, that the Lord has given John. And so this is the New Jerusalem. 
Um, there are several names for the new Jerusalem. We have the tabernacle of God, the holy city, the city of God, the heavenly Jerusalem, or what I like to say, heaven on earth, okay? This chapter is about heaven on earth, um, or what I would also like to call home. So if you're taking notes today and you would like to um, jot that down, home is going to be the title of my message. And so one of the things that we've discussed um, along the journey of Revelation is that this is an apocalyptic literature, okay, which has two major purposes. One of them is to set this present moment in light of the unseen realities of the future. And the second is to set this present moment in light of the unseen realities of the present. Okay, so what, the, what does that mean? I'm going to make it simple. It means that things are not as they seem. Uh, there's more going on right now than meets the eye. If that's not grabbed your attention over the last 20 chapters, I highly recommend that you pay attention today. Because there's a lot more going on in Revelation than just the things that are to come in the future, but of the things that are going on right now. And you get to be a part of it. And that's incredible. Revelation 21 is our hope in our future. It's the plans that the Lord has for us. It is our Jeremiah 29, 11. Okay? It is our prosperity. It's both peace for the future and it's peace for right now. In this chapter, God talks about how he is making all things new. And the new heaven and the new earth where, will be where righteousness dwells, all righteousness. God reveals the new Jerusalem to John, and he gets to see this glimpse of it in the spirit. So the holy city, the new Jerusalem, is descending out of heaven like a beautiful bride prepared for her husband. This is the city that Abraham was looking for in faith. Okay, this is the city whose designer and maker and creator is God, not man. It's this place where God will dwell with his people forever. Sons and daughters will all have their tears wiped away. There will be no more sadness. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. The new Jerusalem will be huge. It will be filled with unimaginable blessing. The curse of the old earth will be gone the new Jerusalem will be the ultimate fulfillment of God's promises. It is the goodness of God fully manifest. It's, the it's where the father and the lamb and all of his children will reign. The new Jerusalem is the righteous counter to the evil Babylon destroyed by God's judgment. And there is no temple in this city. The Lord God Almighty and the lamb are its temple. Okay, that means that God is there. He's everywhere. He's not something or someone we have to call on. He's just there. <clears throat> and we will finally live, consciously so in our minds, in all of God's splendor and majesty and power and holiness and healing and love. We will get to partake in the Holy Trinity. In this city, we will live, move, and have our being in God. And there's lots and lots and lots of glory. The whole city is radiating glory, and it's an illumination of the Lamb. The scripture says the Lamb is the light. In all of his glory, there will never be night. Never. 
And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city, and no evil will ever be allowed to enter. Only those whose names are written in the book of life. This right here, Revelation 21, is the granddaddy of all prophecies. It's the granddaddy, okay? This is our hope and future. It's our greatest truth that we've ever heard, okay? It's the fulfillment of God's promises, and it's where we get to see Jesus get his full reward. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that. And guess what? This prophecy is for you. It's for you. It's for all of us. Revelation 21, verse 5. That's right. says, and the one sitting on the throne said, look, behold, I am making everything new. I am making everything new. One of those things he's talking about right here is you. Note that the one on the throne isn't, doesn't say, I will make everything new. He says, I am making everything new. He's in the process of making all things new. That means right now he's in the process of restoration and redemption. One of the reasons I believe the Lord gave the book of Revelation to John was so that we could understand that we don't have to wait to experience heaven. We actually, like John, have, sorry, we have the ability to experience heaven right now. We have the same spirit living in us that John had on the island of Patmos. We have the same access, the same rights, the same power, the same authority that he did. And the spirit invites us, like John, in Revelation 4 verse 1, to come up. He tells John, come up here and I will show you the things that must take place after this. He also is calling us in spirit to come up to him in the throne room. He wants to show us and reveal to us, like John, the things that are happening all around us. Like in my prophetic dream and like in the conversation in my car with him. He was revealing to me and wanted to prepare me for what he was about to call me to do so in advance so that I could say yes. He didn't have to do that. I also didn't have to be in relationship, in relationship with him. There's a reason that he, that he spoke to me. He wants to reveal himself to you as well. He wants to show you that he is with you and preparing you for all the things that he has for you, all of them. And then, like Jesus in all of his glory, you and I will illuminate this earth as it is in heaven, we will be the light of the world. The revelation of Jesus is you. It's Jesus in you. The one who was and is and is to come is making you like himself. You are a part of, of, of the making of all things new. He's creating righteousness in you. Who I was before I went to Texas is not the same person that I am right now. And the person that I am right now is not the same person that I will be when I am 
standing in full glory with God in the new Jerusalem. The one who was and is and is to come is also doing the same to you. He is moving, he's transforming you. Every victory, every trial, every mountain, every valley, they're all a purpose for training you up and preparing you for what he has ahead. And what does he have ahead? Heaven. Our eyes should be fixed on heaven. He wants us to see heaven. He wants us to see that when our eyes focus on heaven, heaven, it changes everything for us. We have the opportunity to co-labor with heaven. We've been given the opportunity to participate in God's plan for eternity right here and right now. Because we have the Holy Spirit in us, and when we choose to have an intimate relationship with Jesus, we get to put on our eternal lens and have the perspective that Jesus has right here on earth. So the end of your story is actually the beginning of a new creation, and it's already been written. He's moving you from glory to glory. Your destination has already been determined. Are you walking through your day knowing that your destiny has already been determined? We should be living with our future in mind. You have the ability to step forward right now, today, and experience life completely different. This is the truth that God really wants you to understand here. God wants you to walk in glory with him right now. Your perspective of heaven on earth should change everything for you. This should change everything in your day-to-day. It should change how you interact with people. It should change the thoughts that come into your mind, what you do with those thoughts. It should change where your time is spent. It should change how your money is spent. It should change where you spend your time and where you spend your money. And here's a really big one. It should change the way that you respond to things, especially people. Your heavenly lens should change your heart towards other people. Forgiveness should be your first response, especially because you are able to see the fullness that your destination is not the new Jerusalem without the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You've been forgiven, and you should be walking and operating in that forgiveness. I'm not saying that this is easy. I'm just saying that this is the way that it should be when you're walking in unity with Christ. There's no other answer. God is making everything new, including maybe that person who hurt you. They're a work in progress just like you are. You need to forgive them. God is developing us all into the righteousness of Jesus. We have to trust that God knows what he's doing and that he's actually doing it. Did you know that your response to things in your life reveals what you believe to be true about your reality and your future? How you respond through your words and through your actions also show who you're partnering with. That's one to think about. 
God oftentimes allows things to happen in your life so that he can see how you're going to respond. Oftentimes, we're given trials. They're allowed to come up into our lives so that we have the opportunity to express our faith. We have a faith. We speak a faith. He gives us the opportunity to walk it out. And it's in that place that he's able to see, is our faith really in our heart or is it coming out of our mouth? So what you do matters and how you respond matters. When we're operating in the spirit of unity with Christ, we allow him to show his ability through us. We get to demonstrate what heaven looks like on earth because we're allowing him to use us to show other people and to demonstrate what heaven looks like. There's nothing on this earth that can take away what God's preparing for you, but we have to act like it, and we need to respond like it. We should be seeking first the kingdom of God. Are you seeking your own steps, or is your life laid down seeking the kingdom? Because I can tell you right now that there is a difference between a life laid down that is surrendered to Jesus, there's a difference between that and a person that is building their own kingdom. It's very, very easy to recognize the difference between the two. When we seek first the kingdom of God, we are praying for God's glory to fill the earth. And we are honoring and glorifying the Lord by seeking his will, not just for us, but for those around us. When we seek first the kingdom, we understand that from him are all things and to him are all things. He deserves all of the glory. The glory comes down and the glory goes up. And like many things in the Bible, when I was walking through this, the Lord just gave me this imagery of like this cyclical spiritual activity going on here. And so I'm going to kind of show you what this looks like. Um, what we have here oops, is we have heaven and we have the earth. And we have <clears throat> the gifts of God coming down to us, the gifts and the talents and the treasures coming down to earth. And we have the praise going up. This is glory. It's all glory. Okay. The glory going up and the glory coming down. Romans 11.36 says, everything comes from God, and everything exists by his power, and everything is intended for his glory. This is a picture of Romans 11.36. Everything coming from God, and everything intended for his glory. God is the source for everything. Anything else is just a resource. Every single decision that you make either glorifies God or it glorifies something else. Don't you want to partner with heaven? Don't you want to honor and glorify the Lord in all things? I don't know about you, but I want to be in the glory. I don't want to stand outside the glory. I want to jump in the glory. I want to sing in the glory. I want to dance in the glory. Do you have eyes to see what Jesus is showing us here? I'm going to give you guys three practical ways that scripture shows us that we can enter into the glory. 
that we can bring the that we can be in his presence and experience heaven on earth, that we can actually show what heaven on earth looks like. Uh, The first practical way that scripture shows us is by fixing our eyes on creation, the garden, if you will. Um, Creation meaning we can walk through our day-to-day and recognize things that he's made. We can just stop and take a deep breath of fresh air and realize that The breath that's gone into our lungs came from the Lord. We can, excuse me, we can listen to the birds sing in the morning and hear the the praises of the birds going up to heaven. We're allowed to, to take a peek into the imagery that God's giving us of what the garden looks like and what it will look like. He's going to restore all things. Um, You can just feel the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can feel it. And sometimes, I mean, I even know last night I was like, oh, it's cold. I didn't take my jacket, but this wind just kicked in. And it's, you know, in that moment, I'm like, oh, it's cold. But oh, gosh, man, the wind, like the wind is so good. You're carrying us from glory to glory. It's such a beautiful picture. Sunsets. You can watch the sunrise. You can watch the sunset. This is A practical way to recognize heaven on earth. The second way that we can experience heaven on earth is through prayer. Jesus gives us the perfect example in Matthew of what it looks like to bring heaven down to earth through prayer. Jesus also gives us the instructions. I'm going to flip to Matthew 6. 6, if I... If it's going to work for me. I lost my place. I'll read it from my paper. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then the father who sees everything will reward you. He shows us here what it looks like to have intimate prayer time with the Lord. And he even gives us a promise in it. Now, here's the thing. This is so important. And I, don't, I personally don't think it always has to look like going into a closet and shutting the door because oftentimes I lay in bed next to my husband at night when everybody's gone to sleep in silence and I have my intimate time with the Lord or I have my intimate time in the quietness of my car. So I don't think it always has to look like this. But I think the point here that Jesus is giving us is that we've got to take time to spend with the Lord. We have to. We have to quiet our minds and Put aside the distractions of the world so that we can come into his presence because this world is full of distractions. And its purpose, the distractions of the world's purpose, is to take you away from the presence of God. That's the purpose in it. So he gives us this way that we can experience the presence of of God by prayer. And he also gives us a promise, a reward from heaven. If this is not something that, sorry, If this is not something you currently do, do it. And he says he will reward you for it. There's a heavenly reward for spending time in intimacy with Jesus. And he is faithful to fulfill his promises. And he will reward you for being faithful in your time with him. Jesus goes on to teach us how to pray. Most of you know this this popular prayer. Um, Our Father who is in heaven, 
holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Does anybody else say kingdom, power, and glory? Okay, just making sure. It wasn't in my Bible. I'm like, man, I've said this my whole life, I feel like, and it's not in my Bible. So this scripture right here is so powerful. And when it's prayed from the heart and meant, it can cover a multitude of not just necessary things to cover your life, but necessary things to enter into the presence of God. Jesus prays, your kingdom come. This is an invitation for the glory of the Lord to come down. For the partnership of the will of God to intercede into your life and the life of others on earth as it is in heaven. Remember Revelation 4.1 when the Spirit says come and we have this invitation for John to come into the presence? Here again we have come from heaven inviting us up in spirit. But Jesus tells us that we can pray come on earth and ask for heaven to come down here. You see that? We can come up here and he can come down here. That's beautiful. The spirit and the bride say come. The spirit and the bride, the church, we say come together in unity. In my personal experience of praying this prayer, I would say the Lord's Prayer should be prayed in your life pretty often. Um, I was once taught how to pray this prayer and then given a book. I'm going to, this was too good not to share with you because it, praying this prayer has literally changed my life. Um, so I'm going to read it to you just super quick and, and explain to you um, how I learned to pray the Lord's Prayer um, instead of just praying the prayer, which you can do, don't get me wrong, but there's also a way that you can take line by line each item and pray into that line and as a whole it's just the most beautiful thing um, so I just want to read this to you really quick um, so basically what you would do is you would take our father in heaven and you would connect with God relationally okay you would so it says God isn't interested in us practicing religion instead he desires a relationship with us God has adopted us as his children and loves for us to call him our father. So we could start our prayer time acknowledging our relationship with God. It is so powerful for us and, it, and he delights in it. So connecting relationally with him. Then it goes on to say, holy is your name. So we're gonna worship his name next, okay? We've entered in relationally, now we're gonna worship his name. God loves when we worship him and there's power in his name. Um, there's a couple of, of things that we can identify him as. I'll read a couple of them. He is our righteousness. He is our sanctifier. He is our healer. He is our banner of victory. He is our shepherd, our peace, and our provider. He is among us. So you would just pray into those things. The next line would be, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is our opportunity to pray for his agenda first in our life. Okay. This is 
Part of being a child of God is caring about what he cares about. It's we know his perfect will and we acknowledge his wisdom and his sovereignty and then we pray for his agenda first in our life. And I say in the life of others as well. And then give us this day our daily bread. We're showing and acknowledging our dependency on him. So we're saying that we understand that from all things come from him and that we need those things. God promises to supply all of our needs and he wants us to come to him with our problems, needs, desires, and trust in him to provide. Does this make sense? How we go line by line? I'm gonna just wrap it up real quick. The next one is forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. This is where we say, Lord, I see that I've been forgiven and I'm gonna step into that forgiveness by forgiving others. I'm gonna emulate the love of Jesus. The next one is engage in spiritual warfare. This is the book of Revelation. It's opening our eyes to see that there's so much more going on right now here on earth than meets the eye. We live in the spiritual. And we have the opportunity to engage in it. Engage in it. So that, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Spiritual warfare can seem difficult to understand. But the Bible makes it very clear that we have an enemy who is trying to steal from us, kill us, and destroy us. As we pray, we can take a stand against the enemy and fight from a place of victory through Jesus as we are empowered by his Holy Spirit. There is power in God's word, and every lie the enemy has told us can be and should be replaced with God's truth. Praying like this, the Lord's Prayer, really changed it really, really changed my life. It changed the way that I see, saw things and still see things. Um, I pray this over myself. I pray this over my friends. I pray this over my family. And something I felt like I was supposed to share with you that I, I'm not sure a whole lot of people know. Um, there's been a difficult part of praying this prayer over my loved ones. Because I think the easy thing to do when we're asked to pray for people is to pray for whatever healing or miracle it is that they're asking for. And so I haven't always done that. I've prayed for the the will of the Father. That's a whole lot harder to pray than the easiness of what your friends and maybe your family are asking for. But God's will is so much better than what you think you need, it's so much better. There's nothing that compares to the will of the Father. We know that his will will come to pass. And so we, ha- we can either pray for the things that we want and the things that we need, or we can join in unity with him and say, Lord Jesus, come. Let your will be done in this circumstance. Give me the opportunity to walk in unity with you and experience what you want to do, not what I want to do. We've got to be able to remove ourselves from it. We have to be willing to surrender to the will of God. And can you just imagine if all of us were able to get to a place where we just fully surrendered to the will of God? We stopped asking for the things that we need. We stopped complaining for the things that don't seem fit. But we just 
fully surrendered and said, have your way. Can you imagine what God could do with a fully surrendered church? Anyways, I will tell you from experience that praying to the Father like this and into his will, it will not only change the things in your life, but it will change you. It will reveal to you his will for you and those around you, and then you will know exactly what to pray for. He will give you the knowledge and the wisdom of heaven for your life, and you will stop praying for the things that you want. You will join in the spirit of the Lord in the making of all things new. And I'm telling you, it's the most beautiful thing. It's heaven on earth. It's the victory of Jesus coming down and the victory of Jesus going up. And the third way that scripture shows us that we can partner with heaven is through thanksgiving and praise. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We have to be thankful. If you want to hear from the Lord and if you want to see blessing fall and if you want to see healing and breakthrough, then we need to tell God what we need and thank him for all that he's done. See his face with thanksgiving for all things even in the things that are trying to take you out. God allows all things for his victory. Every circumstance that you're sitting in, you have the opportunity to partner with God in it. He wants to teach you, refine you, and prepare you for all that he has for you. There's glory in all of it. We as Christians should be optimistic and thankful, even in the oppressive, because there's glory for Jesus. And we should enter into his courts with praise. Worship. We have to worship. Worship is the way to heaven. Worship is heaven. It's the atmosphere of heaven. We can worship heaven down to earth. It's the key that unlocks the door. And I just want to say this. Um, I don't know what your worship looks like, but I can tell you what mine looked like three years ago. And I feel like somebody in here needs to hear this today. I I don't know what you're carrying. I don't know the burdens that you're experiencing, but God wants you to come before him for who he is and not for what you're carrying. The shame and the guilt that you may be carrying from something that you did several years ago, maybe several months ago, maybe this week, maybe even last night. God wants you to lay down those things. And he wants you to come before the throne and he wants you to worship him for who he is, not for who you are, not for what you did. There is healing and breakthrough when you are able to set yourself aside and worship the Lord in his sovereignty and goodness and majesty. If we can just get past ourselves for a few minutes in worship, God just might be able to do something with us.
We just need to get out of the way. We need to let him reveal himself to us as we lift up the name of Jesus in all honor and glory. Let everything and everyone fall away. He's worthy of all of you. We were created to worship the Lord. We should be worshiping him in all things. We should be praising his name. We should be worshiping him in our tithe. We should be worshiping him in our, in our tithe and time. We should be worshiping him in our actions, in our words. Everything that we do, we have the opportunity to praise the Lord in. Even the way we drive in traffic. <laughs> there are many ways, but these are just a few that can help us enter into the presence of God. To co-labor with heaven and bring his will down to earth as he makes all things new. So having the wisdom and knowledge of heaven and the ability to experience on earth and living it out in our faith are two totally different things. But we have a choice as to whether we are going to participate or not. And I see it, I say it this, I see it this way. We've got three options. We can stay where we are in the comfort of our own Babylon, in the comfort of this world, surrounded by the distractions that are meant to derail you from your purpose and from the will of God. Or you can sit on the fence. You can participate on occasion and see God and know him and walk with him periodically, but also get caught up in the, in the Babylon of, of your world, of this world. One foot in and one foot out. Or you can join in the heavenlies. You can lay down your life and surrender. You can surrender it all to the one who is making everything new including you. And here's the deal. God loves you no matter which one of these categories you fall into. That's the beauty of it. But he does give you a choice. And that's incredible. The point is, is that we get the opportunity to be a part of his new creation to experience more of him, to stomp on the enemy's head in his own territory and claim the victory of Jesus in everything. We've become so used to partnering with the oppressiveness of Satan in this world that we sometimes don't even see that we're glorifying him. We need to pull up our victory pants and put on the boots of Jesus and take back what belongs to us. We need to understand that when God calls you prophetically to come, you lose the right to stay where you're at. We have a choice to partner with heaven and allow him to make us new and shape our perspective into that of a heavenly one. God's asking you to leave your comfortable seat and join him in the heavenlies. But there's a responsibility to the invitation. And here's the thing, once he exposes you of what's to come, you are not going to want to stay where you are. You're going to want to fully come. You're going to want to fully submit. You're going to want to fully surrender. He wants you to join, in, join him in knowledge and wisdom and power and glory. The bread of his presence is sacred. 
and he wants to feed those who are hungry. He's calling you home. He's calling you to the heavenlies. The question is, are you going to stay? Or are you going to come? And if you're going to stay, or you're on the fence, I want to ask you why. What are you afraid of? What stronghold does Satan have on your life? I want to share a quick story of just such a beautiful picture of the revelation of Jesus over my friends' lives. Uh, last Sunday, some of Andrew and I's very best friends, uh, we were having dinner and just a normal dinner, and we just started talking about the Lord, talking about a little bit of my message. And um, our friends have walked through uh, some really difficult stuff. Um, they were in the adoption process. They have adopted a beautiful daughter, and they were in the process of adopting her. And during that time, um, she got taken away and sent back home. And we already knew the story, but as we were sitting there, our friend just started crying and explaining where uh, he and his wife had been and all the pain and all the, all the suffering. And these two friends of ours were very active in church, um, loving the Lord with all their heart. And they have been in a place of, of not being there, of not being completely active in the church and pressing into God. And um, my friend just, he said, I could tell by his words that, that he was angry. And he just said, I'm just upset. I don't understand. I don't understand how she could have been taken from us. And there was this anger. And I related because in my alcoholism, of 20 years, especially towards the end, I had done everything. Like them, I, they did everything. I had done everything. I said, Lord, I don't, I don't know what else I can do. I've done treatment, I've done everything. You're the only one that can take this from me and you're not, why? Why are you not healing me? So I understood that, that place that he was in, that they were in, of being angry and not understanding, Lord, why did you have to take her away from us? Why did that have to happen? And tears just started to, to fall. And he said, I've just been stuck. I've just been stuck. And I'm not ready to move. He said, I'm not ready. I, I'm not ready. And as his friend, I just sat there hurting for him and her. And the Lord, in his goodness, whispered something so beautiful to me. 
and he showed me a picture of, this, of what was going on in the spiritual. And I actually interrupted him. He was, he was talking, and I, I stopped him, and I said, hey, the Lord just showed me something in the spirit. This adoption wasn't just about you and her. It was about the transfer of rights in the spiritual, the transfer of rights of a child from death to life. This family was her earthly redeemer. She was gonna be redeemed. And you wanna know what? There was a fight. Satan was gonna put up a fight because he wanted to keep this child in death. He didn't want to ha her to have the resurrection power of Jesus in her life and be placed in a home where she was gonna be able to live. So there had to be a fight. When there's a transfer of rights, or there's a transfer of an agreement, there's gonna be a fight. And he just showed me that. And I just, I told him, I said, it had to happen that way. It, there was a transfer of rights in the spiritual from death to life. And that's all I said. And like just the most beautiful thing you've ever seen before, all this weight just went away. And his eyes got so big and just... It, it was beautiful. And then the Lord stopped reveal, he stopped revealing to me and he started to reveal to him. And he showed him that it wasn't just about her rights, but she had a brother and a sister too that were back in that home. And if God wouldn't have taken her away from them and sent her back home, then he wouldn't have been able to claim rights over all three of those children. But because of the way that it had to be on earth, as it is in heaven, not just one child was able to have redemption, but all three children were able to be redeemed and went from death to life. That's the power of our God. And I saw anger fall away. I saw clarity. I saw him able to see in the spirit what God really had done. And how can you be angry with that? He realized it wasn't about him anymore. It was about all three of those children who have been redeemed, physically redeemed by earthly fathers and mothers. I honestly have never experienced anything more beautiful in my entire life. I just wept, that's all I could do. And so I just wanna ask you today, if you're one of those people, it's just gonna, stay or you're on the fence why is there something in your life that's going on that you maybe don't understand and you need clarity on the Lord will show you pain and suffering is not the end heaven is heaven is our destination and the Lord is going to be faithful for you to see it and to get you through it. So I just want to ask you, if that's you, would you be willing to come forward? Would you be willing to surrender? Even if it's uncomfortable for you. Hey, listen, you don't have to come up here if you don't want to. You can just get out of your seat and get on your knees right where you are. You can put your face in, in the seat that's, that you're sitting on right now. 
So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna ask, I think the Lord is, from the moment we got here today, and even starting three years ago, showed me that he wants to, to redeem some people today. He wants to set you free. He wants to show you that your pain and suffering has a purpose. And he's the victor that's gonna walk you through it. So I'm, I'm gonna pray. If you, if you would be willing to come up, if that's you, no matter what it is, would you come up here and just surrender it to Jesus? What's, what's stopping you? I have a question. Would you all be willing to surrender? Even if you've already surrendered before, would you be willing to surrender right now again and again and again and again? Father, you, you see us. You know our hearts. You know our home. You know where we're at. You know where we're not at. Lord, would your presence overtake us right now? You are the only one who can rescue us. No person, no thing, nothing in this world can do what you can do. And we need you, Lord Jesus. We need your redemptive power to come and set us free. We're asking that you would come, Lord Jesus, come. Lord, we surrender to you. We surrender our hearts to you, our minds to you, our souls to you, Lord Jesus. We look at the horizon and we see heaven. And we know that we don't have to stay where we are. By your power, Lord, give us the strength to take steps forward. We surrender to the will of the Father. We pray for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven for every person in this place, Lord Jesus. Come. Have your way. We submit to your will. We submit to your authority. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We give you the, all the honor and glory. We say power and wisdom and majesty over the holy name of Jesus.
we claim your victory on earth. We claim your victory on earth. We say Satan has no authority over us and that no weapon formed against us would prosper in the name of Jesus. Your blood covers us. We plead the blood of Jesus over us. We plead the blood of Jesus over all of us. We pray healing in your name, Lord Jesus. We pray redemption, sanctification in your name, by your blood. And we sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. And I pray by the, by the spirit of my testimony that you've given me, Lord Jesus, from death to life. I'm not the same person that I was. I'm a walking, talking, breathing, hallelujah. And I know if you did it for me, you will do it again for every person in this room. And we claim that over, the, over each person in this room in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.